As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Welcome to Weekly Heroics, the Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV, doing our preacher cast. I'm Scott McGregor. I'm joined by Beth and Brian Hughes tonight. We, we gave here Metal Hero here, Hair Metal Hero, uh, the night off. He's, he's off doing the vacation thing, so we've got our other two regulars with us tonight, and glad to have you. Hello, folks. Hola. Can you, can you Hello. We're having some, some weird gremlins in the, in the machinery tonight, so we... Apologize. Hopefully, any disasters I can edit out, and you won't have to hear them. Um, hopefully, we'll just get through the whole show. But you never know these days. Uh, we just had a big Microsoft Ten uh, Windows Ten update, so things will be broken all over my computer because that's the way it always happens. Yeah, so, they were like, "Will you break the last right car so you had?" Yeah. What was that? And I was, they were asking me if I would rate the last call we had. I'm like, yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, just, I laugh at those a lot, yeah. Uh, although I can't complain, man. As many Skype calls as we do, we've, we've had comparatively very few major crash downs as far as podcasting stuff goes. So no complaints. As long as we have at least one backup, we usually end up managing it. But uh, I'm just glad you guys are here because uh, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but Beth had a little incident the other day, and we're glad you're okay, honey. Thank you. I mean... Breaking yourself, please. I know. Oh, my gosh. So if you hear me start puking, just know that it's for a good reason. Um, I I will tell everyone. Well, I mean, you know, it's not... Because I'm expecting a child or anything like that, I, you know, I, I I fell and got a concussion. So I, yeah, any any fast movement makes me so nauseous. Yeah. There shouldn't be too much of that required in a podcast, luckily. So. But you know, hey, watching preacher makes me nauseous <laughs> too. So that is a pretty kinetic show on a given so day. We're good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> This one was a little more mellow in places. Uh, you know, you got a lot of character. Interesting, unexpected character development. I didn't think I'd ever see. Well, we'll get into it. But <laughs> well, you know, the thing is where The Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead are overt gore. Preacher's kind of like inferred gore from time to time. And then, of course, it's overt at other it, times. It saves the good ones up for, yeah, to, to lay it all on us at once, it seems. Uh, but. It was a very talky episode, not so much a murdery episode, but it had its moments. Uh, but yeah, we're doing episode four tonight of season two called Victor, uh, who is Tulip's old buddy, apparently. And, um, of course, we open right up where we left off with her being captured by Victor's men, and she's disarmed and thrown in an SUV. Uh, th- this episode has a little bit of the tennis match thing going on, very small scenes cutting over to the air, the other storylines. Got a little, little whiplashy, uh, in my opinion, but 
Did you notice a That's lot of commercial breaks? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't know if I'm seeing the same commercials as everyone else, or I, I'm assuming it's the same timing because I I watch it like on AMC Live on the TV or on my computer. Yeah. So I don't know if it's it's all the same commercials when I'm watching it, but I'm sure it's like differently. I, I don't know if it's a different edit for other markets or not. I that wouldn't make a lot of sense. So um, yeah, it was kind of a weird rhythm to it. Well, for us, it was all erectile dysfunction and promos <laughs> for Loaded. So okay. <laughs> TV's probably, I don't know, I don't want to suggest that TV's searching your uh, your browsing history <laughs> or anything. <laughs> but you never know. I get some pretty weird ads on Facebook. It's like, I don't even remember searching for that. I was just thinking about it. What are you doing, Zuckerberg? <laughs> uh, no, that's weird. I, I remember a couple weeks ago asking my friends uh, about wine gummy bears because I used to get them when I was a kid from Aunt Lisa. Uh-huh, yeah. And then that next thing I know, Amazon says, hey, maybe you'd like this. I'm and they you. start showing me ads for wine gummy bears. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a little bit of there, – yeah, there's definitely a lot of info trading going around there. It's going quick. Yeah, it gets a little scary at times. <laughs> there's this one uh, local grocery store I, I shop at every single time, and when I – Without fail, if I you know, you'd go spend twenty five cents there, not that you could find anyone for anything for twenty five cents, but I could go spend nothing there, and I'll get coupon emails as soon as I get home. It's like what the? Fu- I swear I could even pay cash and it would happen. It's just like, well, they have your swipe your bonus card every time you're there, so the ching we know he's been to our store. True. Spatial recognition software, man. That's what it is these days. <laughs> well, someone wants to keep recognizing my face over and over again. I pity them, but uh, you know, <laughs> whatever. If they think they can sell me an extra freaking potato uh, by doing that, then more power to them. <laughs> potato chip, that should have been. I don't actually eat potatoes. Oh. Um, <laughs> one, one more extra package of ramen noodles. Yeah, no. No, that's it's my apocalypse. I don't even eat those anymore. I had my time with those in college twice, so <laughs> those are my absolute bottom-of-the-barrel apocalypse storehouse things. So anyway, uh, Tulips in Victor's uh, captivity, and uh, meanwhile, Jesse comes to Dennis's place finally, and Cassidy greets them, and Dennis wanders out and ignores them both equally. Uh, Jesse relays the story of the jazz singer he kind of rescued um, the night before, and Cassidy is no help when Jesse asks where Tulip is, although he tries to push Jesse toward like maybe looking for her or calling her, but Jesse doesn't seem concerned at all because it's Tulip. At uh, Mobster Headquarters, Tulip is seated and hears horrible sounds from a nearby murder room, we assume. And Victor enters, he says to Tulip, so what are we going to do with you? And we roll into our opening titles. And uh, it's got to keep giving Ruth Nega props um, in this storyline and that she just, you know, this movie's half a comedy, half a drama, half a what the fuck. Um, but when she turns on like the dramatic looks, man, the, that woman can can act with her face uh, very, very well. Yeah, she can. Her eyes say it all. They talk to you. Yeah, she's got this just you know reserved under the surface absolute terror about what this guy might be you know going to do to her. She's like serious fear of death going on in those eyes. And yeah, yeah I know. When, when if she... there's someone, wait a minute. Hold on, ladies first. <laughs> please. Please. People with concussions first, sir. Okay, so <laughs> look, I just, 
it makes me wonder who the hell is this Victor guy? No one scares Tulip like that. Yeah. I mean, who is he? Yeah. You know, it just makes me really start thinking, damn, this guy really must be some asshole for her to uh, seem seem scared or get tense or tight or, you know, it just worries me for her. So it, it left me wondering a few episodes in, who the hell is this guy, you know? Well, like your best friend's a, a vampire, and she's being chased by a, a cowboy from hell. And, yeah, it's Victor that scares her. So Right. Exactly. <laughs> my point. See, just, I, wow. I didn't read it that way myself. No? Because we've seen her talk the cops out of tickets and such. Hmm. So you think she's acting the whole thing? I, I, I thought that was a whole routine, tears and all. Um, so I, I, I just didn't see it that way. Could and be. so, you know, but, but you know, got to give her credit, man. The woman can turn on the waterworks like nobody's business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, acting or not, uh, she she sells it. I don't know if she sells it to Victor, but oh, it remains to be seen. Because she does like go into business mode here pretty quickly in a little bit and, and attempts some, some shit. Uh, so we come back and we're in the hallway scene in hell, and prisoners are starting to pour out of their cells, which are all opening. And I couldn't find anything on the interwebs that pointing out who they thought these people were, you know? Um so I guess we can kind of draw our own conclusions. I guess I, I took it as one, uh, this is probably horribly stereotypical of me, but I assumed the one was Genghis Khan because he looked like every depiction of Genghis Khan I've ever seen. Uh, that's who I thought it was too. Yeah. I really thought it was Genghis Khan. I, I, I I'm didn't. like, okay, who do I, you think I, he is? I don't think he's anybody. I just think because of the accent that he had, he was just a bad Some trouble? Some yeah. trouble? Uh, no. Yeah. I just figured since we had a, such an iconic, uh, you know, figure of hell such as Hitler that, you know, everybody we saw would be some famous evil person. And I, don't know I if do we can, too. Yeah. It's like, it's like reincarnation. Um, you know, Kevin Costner said it in Bull Durham's like, why is it that everybody who's alive thinks that they're reincarnated from somebody <laughs> famous in the past? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and, and if hell is as crowded as they say it is, there's no way Hitler's going to be next door to Genghis Khan who's going to be next door to Ivan the Terrible, Thank you know, you. and all that. Very good. I mean, our space is hardly the guy that you'd put next door to him if it's going to be like mass murderer row. Yeah, yeah. Well, our space just ended up there accidentally. Yeah, which I think they're uh, just trying to control that. Yeah, but I just uh, well, I mean, I think the, I think it was a nice little red herring though that uh, you might that that sounds spot on, Brian. That's a good assessment of it. Uh, statistically speaking, yeah, uh, Hitler would just be among. Billions upon billions of uh, of nameless evil people, <laughs> so to speak. <clears throat> but like, I was fooled because I figured like the asshole who we eventually learn is Tyler. I was sure he was going to be like Ted Bundy or something. You know, he looked like the the charming serial killer type. But right, that's what I thought too. See, Tyler. So. No, no, no. I know who that guy was. I know okay. who he was. was he is the microbe known as cancer. Okay. Oh my gosh, oh man. Wow, man. Uh, can I smoke what you're smoking? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to my husband. Oh my gosh. Uh, hey, just because they're in hell doesn't mean they're human. Uh, yeah, th- 
very true. Well, actually, I was going through, like, down the cast list, too, to see if there were any clues. And one of them is just listed as Caveman, which mm-hmm. I thought might be, like, yeah. So, uh, you know, just evil of every generation, basically. In next week's episode, it won't even be Caveman. He'd be called Maggot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, where are we here? Yeah. Um, yep, uh, so to pick your own guesses. As I said, I thought there was Genghis Khan there, but uh, I actually like Brian's theory better. They're just the nameless hordes. Um, but, yeah, the largest asshole among them seems to be a guy named Tyler who is uh, pushing around an old woman, gypsy type, basically. Um, Eugene tells him to stop. Uh, Tyler comes over and starts picking on his face, of course, and making all the obligatory ass-face jokes. And Hitler tells him to back off, but Tyler steps up to him and, and faces down Adolf. Uh, Adolf just smiles, and they're kind of all saved by the alarm. Everyone's ordered back to their hells, but Eugene is locked out of his because the machine started back up. So Hitler says he can come and wait in his hell if he wants. Otherwise, he'll be caught outside and, and possibly thrown in the hole. And, and Eugene comes in and, and starts chatting with him, and he states the obvious. He's like, you're Hitler. Uh, you started World War II. You killed millions of people. And Adolf basically says, guilty. Yeah, I'm fucking Hitler. You know, what do you expect? That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, since he is in his room, our face uh, then gets to see Hitler's personal hell, which isn't what we were maybe expecting. Um, and we don't get to see all of it, but we are shown a scene from Munich of 1919 where Adolf is meeting a lady for a date. A Jewish man bumps into him while uh, coming in, and Hitler is... We, it, they go for the tension shot at first, and Hitler gives him this look, you know, and we think it's going to be the start of his hatred for Jews. But no, Hitler's very gracious and friendly to the man. And it's actually his, his date that uh, starts going on a little rant, but she points out this other man who's in the restaurant who's a gallery owner and tells him he should show him his work. Um, she then, as I said, goes on a rant about the communists and foreigners, and, and we're almost led to believe that Hitler got his... Evil world. Idealism from her. Yeah. Right. It was an interesting twist. Uh, Because let me just like, maybe I should save it for later, but no, we'll say it now. But as we were talking about last episode, Noah Taylor is like one of my favorite actors. I know he's kind of one of yours, Brian, and he's in some of our favorite movies anyway. And it's, I'm just so torn with him playing this part because (laughs) I'm torn with this part in general, and uh, I'm not sure. As I said, I, I think at least Seth Rogen might be Jewish, so maybe he can get away yeah. with this. But it's like, wow, talk about <laughs> an awkward choice, uh, which pretty much fits right in with the dark humor of this show, but to make kind of Hitler a sympathetic good guy in hell. <laughs> right. Like, not sure I would have gone there. What the hell is that about? Well, it bothers some people, I would think. Let, let, let's, let's actually do the math on that. You know, as far as Hitler goes, as a soldier himself, was he ever really a soldier? Did he ever raise arms physically against anybody? Well, no, but I mean, I don't know exactly, but... Uh, okay, okay, he was a wallpaper hanger and an artist, yeah. okay? And he, you know, basically went into leadership basically because people recognized his, for lack of better words, charisma, you know? I'm not giving any generals 
passes for, for ordering the deaths of other people. Just neither am poetry. I. Neither <laughs> am I. Neither am I. But all I'm saying is that you know, I mean, how many generals do you know that physically go into combat? Yeah. Genghis Khan. Well, yeah, (laughs) valid point. (laughs) Valid point. But I I mean, modern day generals, you know, going back even to World War One, you know, they were the guys that were sitting in the in the back rooms with the smoke and everything, saying where the tanks, where the the soldiers, where the horses, where whatever is going to go. But they're not out there shooting their guns. They're not out there punching or hitting or stabbing or anything to anybody. They're just telling other people to do it and telling them loudly. Mm-hmm. So, you As know, usual Hitler, in these moments, I, I have to reference everyone to Black Sabbath War Pigs. You must listen. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, you know, Hitler, as far as what he was, as far as being a man, you know, could have been a lot of unassuming things that you don't really think about. And so... What's he going to be like when somebody stands up to him? Unless he's got a bunch of guys behind him, you know, he's probably going to do what that guy did. We, we may find that out, yeah. And I guess we're we're led to believe, or it's implied, that it will actually be, you know, Hitler's rejection by the the gallery owner that that set off his path of evil, which I guess is actually kind of a theory. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you if you really want to get an idea of that, watch the movie Max. With Noah Taylor and John Cusack, because that's basically tells that story of what happened to him in that regard. Oh, that's and you did say that last episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just thinking he needed a damn career. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> and he, he chose he that. A, he got a career when when he and Mussolini and Ataturk all went to the conference where they learned about you know galvanizing their people against a common enemy. They all got this great idea of how to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, Hitler and Mussolini and the Japanese all said, well, let's make these guys the enemy. And they galvanized their people behind them, and Hitler used the Jews. Yeah. He made them out to be the devil, and everybody followed. You know, I mean, somebody's doing it today. I wasn't going to say it. Okay, I was going to say it, but... (laughs) All right. Enough of that. We'll get banned. (laughs) Hey, who are these guys? (laughs) (laughs) Jamans of court goons. They they were maybe related to Mussolini. We don't know. Um, <laughs> so suddenly the machine fails again, and uh, and Hitler tells Eugene to go back to his his cell, and he he welcomes Eugene to hell after learning his name. And clearly, Art's face has found a buddy. I said I'm conflicted. Back in Victor's compound, we get a glimpse of his little torture room where someone is torturing someone with a spray bottle of acid. Always a, you know, a classic. Tulip is crying and begging for forgiveness, uh, real or not, and Victor tells her to stop crying because it isn't going to fix this. He brought her in, he trusted her, and he made her part of his family, and she betrayed him. The, the old song and dance. Torture guy comes in to tell him that his victim might die soon, so she should probably come in and question him again. Um... And I've seen this, I think his name is Sean Boyd, but he, this guy's one of those those great character actors, too, that you see in fucking everything. Let me see if I should pull up his, uh, and he's usually a bad guy, you know, but, um, okay, he's done been in Jack Reacher, Dallas Buyers Club, Magnificent Seven, the most recent one. Oh, this is the torture guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was really good. Pete. Jonah Hex, okay, Bad Lieutenant, uh, Pete. Port of New Orleans. He's Pete in 
Was his name Pete or Pat in this? Yeah. He was Pat. He was Pat. I think it was Pat. Pat? Oh, I thought it was Pete. Okay, so Pat. I actually saw one review which referred to him as the Pat, and I, I can't find anything else. Well, I thought Pat... I thought Pat was the guy over by the cook in the kitchen. And Pete was the guy who beat, who was beating that guy senseless. No, I think Pat was torture guy. That's how they have him listed on IMDb, but that's All right. You know, not always accurate either, so who knows. Regardless, yeah, he's just one of those great character actors they picked up and, you know, just tricking yeah, I love how his suit is still all nice and neat and <laughs> no blood on his collar. I mean, you know, it's only, and I do mean only on his, uh, what is that, uh, plastic. Uh, yeah. Well, it, uh, the guy knows his craft. You learn where the arteries are going to spray and stuff. Uh, yeah. It's a skill like anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Man, even when I'm cooking Thanksgiving dinner, I get a little turkey <laughs> on my something, you know? <laughs> wow. I open a can of raviolis, and it looks like there's a murder scene in my kitchen, so there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're then shown a TV PSA about uh, Hurricane Katrina and some of its survivor stories. It's a, kind of a big infomercial. Cassidy introduces Dennis to Jesse, who says something in French that seems to be negative and directed at Cassidy, and we'll never know. Uh, actually, we will. I, I, I can tell you what he said. And oh, it's okay. basically, why do you do this? Why do you always come here? You turn this place into a pigsty. <laughs> so, Dad, yeah. basically. You, you're you're selfish. Cassidy's dad. And he, said, he says, you've been this way your whole life. Maybe he is. So he's not him for a right? Yeah. Makes you think so. Did you think so? I mean, maybe, and it's not Dennis, it's Denis. Yeah, Denis. Uh, Denis. And I don't think he has, he doesn't have a direct analog in the comics. He, I've, I've read some stories that he's he's close to one of the guys in the comics. It's a kind of old friend of Cassidy's that just kind of suffers him, you know, graciously. Uh, but it, it's not exact. Well, I, okay, I think but, what it is, I think what it is, is that this house, like many others across the country, is kind of like a vampire safe house. Mm -hmm. And Denny is a vampire as well. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so any city he goes to, there's going to be one of those places, and they're probably all going to say the same thing about Cassidy. Yeah, yeah, well, no doubt, you know, he's... He's, he's probably had a, a significant number of times that he's almost burned the place down with his chemistry experiments. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, he's probably not the best boarder in the world. Um, so that's cool. What did you find, like a, a, a story or something that translates the French for us? I, I went looking for the translation on it. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> he goes, hey, babe, you want to know what he said? And he starts reading enough, and I said, who said? Who said? <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. That sounds about That was right. kind of... <laughs> That's yep. kind of how my brain interpreted it. <laughs> so, Jesse is still very unconcerned about Tulip, and Cassidy, just throughout the whole episode, just kind of subtly hints that, yeah, maybe you should call your girlfriend just in case she's in trouble, you know. And uh, Jesse's just like, Tulip O'Hare knows how to take care of herself. And he's just like, we were fighting, so she's just out blowing off steam. 
And Jesse uh, finally tells Cass about the secret society, which, of course, Jesse thinks might be the reptilians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a, a great little Cassidy cultural reference. A white van, who is the uh, the secret society, uh, drops off Hoover near Denny's building, and he's pretending to be a street advertiser for payday loans. Back to the infomercial, a homeless couple is talking about their struggles. The woman now works three jobs, and the man used to use prostitutes, but now he is one. <laughs> and suddenly the man who played God when Jesse called Heaven in season one shows up on the TV as part of the infomercial. Also, Frankie Muniz is there from Malcolm in the Middle. To the yeah. I, I seriously love the way Cassidy did that because that kind of reminds me of me in the middle. Of, hey, babe, babe, hey, yeah, yeah, you exactly. gotta come see this. Yeah, you gotta Jesse, come Jesse, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Frankie Muniz just for a split second um, was actually pissing on above God who was laying underneath the urinal. urinal. But we learn that fake God is a local actor, and the wheels start spinning in Jesse and Cassidy's heads. And I think we know where this is headed. But right now it's headed back to hell, and our, our matron and, uh, uh, mate, uh, what's her name again? Do, 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 do. I did look this up. Mrs. Mannering, I guess, is Amy Hill, the, the kind of matron of hell. And uh, her and a maintenance guy are checking Eugene's hell projector machine, and the tech guy says that the system might need a full reset, and Eugene is, is led away, you know, so they can work. Okay. So I, I want to ask a question right about here because you notice how when she keeps talking, her voice just gets a little lower. Yeah, I mean, is the demon, you know, just trying to stay? Presumably, uh, it becomes in more. Yeah, it becomes more <laughs> pronounced uh, in their little meeting later. But yeah, she's definitely got some uh, some hell leaking out there, or the demon <clears throat> yeah. leaking out there. She just can't contain it. <laughs> I don't know why you bother. If you're already in hell, just let loose with the freaking demon voice. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out why they they use the you know the more soothing human voice. Um, Jesse and Cassidy arrive at the uh, talent agency that handled the God actor, who is named Mark Herlick, who is actually an actor <laughs> named Mark Herlick. So he's actually playing himself. Yeah. In, in this show uh, why not you magnificent bastards um, Tulip is taking a walk around to Victor's compound as, as her per his instructions he basically told her to you know take a walk and come up with a good answer that will make me not kill you uh, she comes upon some of her old mobster buddies and basically tries to make small talk but everyone is essentially treating like her like she's invisible and or dead already the talent agent comes in, and Jesse <laughs> asks the, the man who's named Teddy Gunth how to find uh, the God actor, and, and Jesse's not doing a bang-up job of it, so, so Cassidy kind of takes over, uses his bullshitting powers for the discussion, and says <laughs> that the role they need Mark for is a recurring one on Game of Thrones. And, of course, Teddy Gunth starts to salivate, and the negotiations begin, and Cassidy closes the deal, but Teddy tells him he doesn't know where he is. Bait and switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's just so funny, though. I words can't describe. I, it was. How great and the, the whole, dialogue was. You know, and they, and of course, you know, everyone wants a first class, but nobody yeah. in Game of Thrones. Yes. 
flies first class. Even Dinklage flies coach. Yeah, even Dinklage right? flies coach. Come on, we're not made of money. Yeah, <laughs> that was just great. Yeah, Cassidy missed it his calling. Awesome. He should have been a, an entertainment lawyer or agent. <laughs> Clearly. For sure. Uh, Teddy does have Mark's acting audition tape, though, and, and Jesse asks to view it. Back to Mrs. Mannering, our hell prison matron is on the phone with somebody, and she's asking who let him out, and I think she's probably talking about Genesis. I don't know if they, you know, or God, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's obviously, you know, she says something like, you know, we better get this straight or we'll have to answer to him or something. And so it might not be God they're talking about. Maybe they heard about Genesis down in the pit, and they're wondering if that's part of what's going on. Uh, they must know that the saints out there roaming around, you would think. But you know, maybe he got lost in the bureaucracy. So they pull Eugene in to have a little chat with him, and they, they tell him the plight of hell being overcrowded and underfunded, and <laughs> her voice changes occasionally to something more dark and evil. And she, she tells him not to get too, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, a lot of newcomers, you know, we get these little glitches and they think they're going to have an easy time, but uh, tells him not to get too happy about the machine breaking down because the hole is much worse and we get a little glimpse of the bad sounds coming out of the hole. And she tells him, this is hell, act accordingly, we'll be watching. So back to Tulip's yep. attempt to get, oh, are you going to say something, Brian? No, no, go ahead. Back to Tulip's attempt to get someone to like her, she goes to Victor's daughter, who spits on her and says that she hopes her father kills her. So not winning any points there either, Tulip. But, you know, that that's one thing that was funny. Everybody else in the house, while they, they're they doing their best to ignore Tulip, are giving her healthy respect uh, in, in regards to distance and uh, fear. Yeah. Whereas the little girl, of course, you know, she just, you know, doesn't. Yep, don't and, care. Just gonna speak her mind. Like, get out. You hurt my daddy. You hurt me. Uh, we get to watch uh, Mark Harlick's uh, hilarious and impressive audition for God. Words really can't describe how good this little bit is. Too. Um, it's just you know he just plays an actor in an audition so freaking well. <laughs> Man, yeah. I know, and I should just I. Sh- I just should have started the podcast. La 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 la. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then starts and has to start again. He's like, no, I, I just wasn't there yet. Let me do it again. And you know, yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. And he's he's given the part. He's overjoyed at the ongoing nature of the job. You know, it's a, a role of a lifetime because he, he is auditioning for God. He does a great little apocalyptic prophecy speech and stuff. And little does he realize that he needs to actually go to heaven to do the part, and the casting agent shoots him dead. Uh, I did not see that coming. Probably should have. I didn't I, but, but everything we've seen this guy in, he dies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Jurassic Park 3, he's the well, stepfather in the parachute with the kid oh. at the very beginning, you know? Oh, <laughs> It, uh, everything that I that I can recall seeing him in, he he dies. I think Star Trek Voyager and uh, Deep Space Nine. He had different roles, and because yeah, he died. Yeah, he's, he's much. He you know he's rocking that god costume, and he's he's a lot younger looking than that makes him out to be. But yeah, he's another one just working actor, man. They the show knows to pick some good ones. <laughs> uh, well, I'm thoroughly confused because I thought it was God. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. But that's uh, yeah. He's even got several shows coming after Preacher already. But now, did anyone buy it uh, way back when, when we saw him sitting on the throne? Did anyone buy that he was God at first? Before you knew. I mean, would you have bought that he was God? No, well, no, because he looked like he was wearing a wig and mustache. Yeah, it, it, it looked like, yeah, it looked like costume. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, it know. truly did, but don't most people who play God look like they're in a costume. I well, mean, this, this show's <laughs> weird enough that it could, you know, just go with the, the main archetype and be like, yeah, that's the way it really is. And yeah, I mean, if you look at the, that, it wasn't right. And this, this the, the like, he's kind of like the version of God from Terry Gilliam's cartoon in Monty yeah, Python and the yeah. Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, they even made a joke out about it back then with Tulip. It's like, I bet he's white, you know. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, so my my opinion there isn't valid because I, I knew the book, so I, I pretty much figured he wasn't going to be the actual god. They did a scene similar in the books. But. Totally would have bought if he said I was Noah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God's missing out. I was second in command, apparently. <laughs> so Cassidy once again suggests that they should go find Tulip, and it still falls on deaf ears. Uh, deaf ears. Back at Victor's, uh, Tulip is trying to get into the gun safe, and one of the goons catches her, but she handily kicks his ass and uh, takes his gun. She goes looking for Victor and confronts him with a gun to his head, but she's blindsided by more goons and, and beats the shit out of them pretty well, but Pat comes in and knocks her down, and Victor says, leave her to him. Back in hell, Eugene is put into a community room where he's, he goes to sit with his new buddy, Hiller, and he asks about his little chat with the, the matron. Eugene uh, tells him that he doesn't seem so bad anymore, you know, and, and before Hitler can really confirm or deny whether he is, Tyler comes to harass Arf's face, who tries to get him to say embarrassing words, you know, like, say Mississippi, you know, because of his lisp. Uh, Hitler stands up to him, but then seems to cower a bit, and Tyler punches him to the ground, and the whole group sets to beating him and kicking him, saying, see Kyle, with every blow. And Eugene yells at them to stop, but instead of saving Adolf this time, he looks at the camera on the wall and lays into him along with the group. So he's acting accordingly for being in hell, presumably. And we, as, as the audience, have to feel bad because we're feeling bad about Hitler being beat up because this show is evil like that. Because <laughs> <And laughs> it's Noah Taylor. And you, you can't not like Noah Taylor, even if he's Hitler. So... Uh, send all hate mail to Weekly Heroics at Yahoo.com. <laughs> We'd love to read it. <laughs> so, Jesse, that, that is definitely all kinds of jacked up when you think about it because you want to have someone to root for, and <laughs> even they're trying to make you feel sympathy for the bad guy. I know. I mean, the you know, bad guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what are you doing? I sh we're supposed to be going, yeah, do that, you know, kick the shit out of him. And yet you're like, damn, but he's changing. <laughs> no, that's, you know, that's... I'm that's, so conflicted. <laughs> that's why this book and the show resonates with that little twisted part of my mind that enjoys it, feeling uncomfortable in my fiction. <laughs> it's actually it's actually another bit of irony, and uh, it's going to be a little bit of a stretch, though. 
Um, if you watch Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, Noah Taylor yeah. is the guy that cut off Jamie's hand. That's right, yeah. And uh, basically, that was the start of turning Jamie into a more sympathetic character, whereas before that, you, of course, hated him because, well, he threw a little boy yeah, out of a window several stories yeah. up. <laughs> he was evil and, you know, caused a lot of bad things to happen to a lot of people, all so he could have sex with his sister. Yeah. And, right? uh, yeah. But, you know, the thing is, from the moment that Noah, Noah Taylor cut off his hand... At that point, you know, you saw him start doing things. He jumps into that arena to save uh, the, the, yeah, Brienne of Tarth. And basically, he develops that level of respect to her. And all of a sudden, things seem to turn around. You know, a lot of people are getting very sympathetic towards Jamie. And then, of course, he goes home and rapes his sister. So, (laughs) I I mean, you know. Yeah, he was doing well up to until that. that Quasi rape on his son's corpse thing, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and put but, that redemption story to a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah, so but you wonder, okay, so well here here's Hitler, and uh, he just had his hand cut off. So, <laughs> I mean, metaphorically speaking, he's no, had his no hand good cut catch, off Brian. I didn't even yeah. think of you know. Um, I mean, but seriously, it kind of makes you think: is it the women behind the man that makes you know? that's driving these guys to do this because the woman at the setting behind the table was talking all that shit and had him start to thinking about, you know, the communists and, you know, race and all this. And then you've got the sister sitting at the top of the throne, uh, hitting her brush. I mean, up, you know what I mean? It second, makes though. me wonder. Back up just a second, though. Uh, in in that in Hitler's hell, he's in that cafe, and of course, right. you know, the, the, the girl the girl comes up to him, and first thing that happens, of course, is he gets bumped by the Jewish man, and the Jewish man offers an apology, and you see Hitler actually, and the, I, the only term I can think of is he went red. Um, cause it looked like he was going to follow his instinct would be to sit there and cuss the man out, but he gave up on that instinct and, you know, the fight or flight thing went in and uh, he apologizes and says it's his fault. Yeah. Um, so, you know, basically what it's saying is that th- that instinct on, on the Jews was already there. It's just, he wasn't going to act on it because his actual nature is more of a, of, of a flight rather than fight. Possibly, yeah. I, I don't know. I actually saw it as uh, as the, a red herring by by the show that we we were meant, you know, led to think that it's probably going to lead to the conflict. You know, you just talked about her showing his hatred, but he honestly just has none at all. And so, like something else, we're going to be led to believe that sets him off on evil. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we didn't get to see the rest of the scene, so I mean, I, I can't believe they won't. Dangle this out there, and eventually, oh, you know, they'll, they'll delve into that further. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah, and it's gonna be probably something way the fuck out of left field if this show has anything to do with it. Yeah, um, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I didn't really see this whole plot line coming. I, I didn't know. I didn't think they'd really go this way with it. But I'm, I'm, I'm all in. As am I. <laughs> Back to back to Jesse. He's he's still watching the tape and just being kind of stupid about things. Like maybe we can zoom in on his the hand holding the gun and figure out whose hand that is. Say, so, okay, you go, Blade Runner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. 
Uh, Cassidy finally spills the beans about Tulip's fears about New Orleans and that he thinks she really is in trouble. Jesse's not too happy about that. Jesse arrives at Victor's and uses the word to stop all of his goons, and he comes to the torture room and is punched by Pat, and he wakes up on the floor, but Pat is... Uh, preparing to get all murdery, and he, he puts on earphones and blasts Billy Joel's Uptown Girl uh, so he can't use, uh, you know, just can't use the word against him. Interestingly placed musical choice there. <laughs> yeah, it, it matched the scene pretty well. Yeah. A uh, glorious fight ensues, which includes the arm of Pat's previous victim being chopped off and used as a weapon. That was beautiful. Um... Hey, he took up arms against his fellow man. Yeah. <laughs> My brain instantly flashed back to the first time I saw uh, the Toxic Avenger, which was probably one of the first times I saw anything that batshit crazy. You know, where the, the Toxic Avenger rips off some guy's arm early on and, and beats him to death with it. So. I was thinking of the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Any number of good, you know, dismemberment (laughs) scenes can be referenced, but that's where my brain went. Uh, just, you know, I, you can never go wrong with a good dismemberment using the limb as a, a weapon scene. You know, writers take note. <laughs> Always a hoot. Brings the house down. Pat's, uh, the fight ends, of course, with Jesse impaling Pat on the corpse of the man that was already hanging there. And Jesse finds, uh, finds Victor's room and finds, uh, Tulip talking to him and goes about beating the shit out of him. But she tells him he has to stop because Victor is her husband. Dun, dun, dun. Um. And the final scene is our buddy, the Saint of Killers, approaching New Orleans, clearly led there by Jesse's use of the word. I disagree. Hmm? I disagree. With what? About... Just okay, now, you, you, now the th- the thing is in the story in the story it's obvious that the Saint of Killers is being led by the word. Yeah. However. However, the way he's coming into New Orleans clearly shows he's been traveling from the east to the west. He's been coming basically down from either Memphis Oh, my gosh. Okay. You can Hold get a geography nerd on us. Hold on. Yes. Wait. I got to tell you this because you will sit here. Now I get to give it all away. Brian sat here for about 30 minutes to an hour trying to figure out the name he paused it looked at the street trying to figure out what the bridge was to see if the bridge even lifted up to see if it was one of those ferry bridges no wait i'm not no, she's, she's not lying here uh, I, I was sitting there going i, I was sitting there because i've been to new orleans a couple times and I don't recall coming in on that kind of bridge at all. They were all flat bridges with no, you know, no construction on it. So I'm like, where is that bridge? Was that confounded bridge? And so I did, I did some looking around with Google Earth. And, and I'm like, found, are you I serious? Can't enjoy the show. You have to get all analytical. You have to I just, tear it apart. No, I, I do the same about a lot of details myself. But I can't believe this man's been a comic fan as long as he has, and he, he's gonna. 
go nuts over continuity is folly, man. You ought to know that by now. Well, Well, you know, when the X-Men comic book's supposed to take place in Dallas, you want it to look and sound like Dallas. You want them to get the landmarks and everything right. Uh, The Hulk comic book, where they did that, they kind of goofed it up. The X-Men, they goofed it up. So when you see something like this, you're you're like, okay, so... Let's get it right. No, they came in. The only way he could have come in would have been from the east side of town, which meant he was coming in off of, you know, the uh, I-10, which comes out of uh, off the east coast. Okay? You're not going to get any sleep tonight. Just keep on. I'm just saying. No offense, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It's neither. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I know. I mean, listeners, yes, he will. He'll be up to this morning. But the thing is, it makes sense that they come in on that bridge for the visual. Because you're only going to get that 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 what looks like a downtown skyscraper image coming from that direction, you know, walking across the long bridge. That's a confounded bridge. And then tomorrow he'll come in about three o'clock in the afternoon saying, "I figured it out." Let me tell you. <laughs> we we got to get you to a comic con with a preacher panel just to ask them that question and get it on tape for the show. Oh hell no. <laughs> 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 oh, awesome. I, I can't! I can't believe that'll be the the most nitpicky nerd question asked that day. Even so, you know. <laughs> Seriously, they still they still do that? Ask the super nitpicky nerd questions. I I, I gotta think maybe you know. I thought all that died was Shatner. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I doubt it. <laughs> I hope that died. Shatner ain't oh dead yet. Uh, no, 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 no. But I'm just with the Shatner sketch. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Get a life. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, I, that was just, I thought that was funny. I thought it pointed out. And yeah, you know, I, I spent a few minutes. It was not half an hour. That's but I why, did spend a few minutes. That up. So I got these people as my guests, folks. The, the, the power to is in your fingertips. The power is right there in your smartphone. Ask it any question. Just don't add too many caveats like my wife likes to do. Just no, no, I agree with you. We, we always bitch about that on Fear the Walking Dead, too, when they screw something up. I'm if you're looking for, for hair products, Card Dark and Lovely, make sure you no, say hair no. products. Yeah, definitely don't just search Dark and Lovely. No, no, get a whole lot of stuff before you get the hair products. But, but just to, to address the, uh, the uh, thing about comic book accuracy for, for um, books and stuff... Uh, I'll throw out some of my creds there, but X-Men 200, I think it was drawn by John Romita Jr. It was a trial of Magneto, and it was based in France, and they actually did very accurate. Uh, you know, the artists actually went to France and made sure they, they got everything accurate for France, at least. So, Viva la France. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm guess. not surprised with that. I mean, you know, if you can sit there and get the editorial staff to to pay your way for a trip to there yeah and you you definitely want to get all those landmarks and everything everything correct the louvre and eiffel tower what else did they put in there because that's what everybody puts in in in, and and it's been forever since i've read x-men 200 yeah it's always one of my faves Hmm. so you like magneto as a good guy i've always liked him as an ambiguous villain which is 
pretty much what he's always been. He's the t- typical villain. That he, he sunk, he's a villain. He yeah. sunk a submarine with how many men on board? It's <laughs> so for the greater 50, good of 50, defending his, his sea sailors. <laughs> oh, he, uh, his island of which he was, he and Lee Forrester were the only ones on that island, and he could have protected them. But no, he went ahead and sank the submarine with fifty guys in it. Would you want to share Lee Forrester with anybody? Never mind. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to have to show my wife Lee Forrester. Yeah, because I'm like, who the hell is that? She was drawn very well in skimpy clothing. That's all I know. <laughs> she was a fishing boat captain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was her father that got nailed by Proteus at one point, isn't it? Or- no, no. Her father was killed by despair. Oh, and okay. yeah. uh, the whole swamp thing, uh, you know, he forced him into suicide. That was the first post-burn X-Men that, that sh- showed that story. I must have read that. I own a copy of it. Your brain isn't what it used to be. All right, so what were we talking about? <laughs> Preacher, yeah. Preacher, yeah. New Orleans. Uh, yeah, Victor, New Orleans, Santa Killer, approaching New Orleans from the wrong direction. We'll, we'll add that. And uh, yeah, that's that was it. That's the episode, kids. So fun times to ensue, I'm sure. I'll say that the fight between Preacher and, and was it was it Pat? Yeah, uh, was the the high point of the episode, in my opinion. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, it was definitely fun to watch. You know, it's basically though a villain making the you know the the fatal mistake of not either tying up or instantly killing someone that is, you know, definitely dangerous. Yeah. Classic. Um, just classic. You could take them, you know. Yep. Well, who really thinks, you know, a guy in a, a preacher uniform is, is going to be a significant uh, hand-to-hand combat threat? Everybody else. But I don't think... He, he, <laughs> wait, I don't think he was wearing his preacher uniform. He had on that western-looking shirt without the preacher collar. Titty? I don't remember. You probably yeah. Right, Beth. yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I am right about that one because I noticed that he wasn't wearing it when he was, uh, when um, uh, Denny was sitting on the chair. Okay. And they did a cutback, and I noticed the shirt looked like that Western shirt with That's all good, the. Because Jesse ought to wash that fucking thing every now and then. Yeah. I'm sure, Tulip ain't <laughs> pleased. Yeah. I don't think he. I didn't see him carrying a suitcase out of Anvil, Texas, when it blew up. So, yeah, but this place doesn't look like anything gets washed. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the whole show. Uh, I'm sure if we do finally have a shower or bathroom scene, you'll you'll analyze and make sure the water's running the the right way. (laughs) (laughs) We'll look at how the toilet. It must be in Australia. It's going down the drain in the wrong direction. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, am I really wait. that bad? No, you're not. No, it's it's awesome. Anyway, we have to have something to talk about on these things. It isn't just me reading the whole plot, right? So, thank you. Um, but I I don't have much else. But still, uh, well, let me let me ask you this, yeah. Victor himself. Do you find Victor in uh, for you personally? Do you find Victor to be truly a menacing character? Because to me. To me, he lacks stillness. And oh, if for you, sure. Yeah, if you want to be a menacing character, you, you know, you have to master stillness. And I'll use as an example, Robert De Niro, Godfather 2, 
when he's sitting there in 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 his storefront, and the uh, landlord comes to apologize. Yeah, that scene right there is the essence of stillness. And, you know, De Niro, Pacino, other guys have mastered it over the years. That one, that right there is probably the the, the perfect scene to show it. My dad has such stillness. Yes, he does. I mean, he just, yeah, he'll scare the shit out of you. And the whole time he's thinking, oh, that was funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I see him. He's. He's another character actor that plays kind of the same guy a lot, you know, kind of gangster. And I remember him mostly from The Wire. He played a good chunk of, I think it was the second season. I remember him from Alien Resurrection. Mm. But he, was, he, he did have the stillness over on The Wire. He, he played a pretty mean gangster over there. And he, really? Yeah. See, I've never, I've never watched The Wire. I guess I'm going to have to sit down and watch it. But I don't know. No, he sold it to me. They said maybe that's because I've seen him in so many things as almost the same guy. But he clearly scares the shit out of Tulip anyway. So, yeah, unless she's faking. But I, I can't believe I mean, she's been worried about having this confrontation. So I don't think she's that comfortable. Maybe it's you know, just with, because she's already married. And that's why she's got that whole thing going on. Yeah. And the way she left is... While she's out running around with Jesse, you know, she's just that anticipation of coming back home. Mm-hmm. It's just constant. God, what am I going to say to the man? Mm-hmm. What am I going to say to the man? Maybe it's just that. I don't know. But she did look like she was just scared. She hasn't got her uh, super powered boyfriend to get her out of this one. Well, she does now, but. Uh, apparently, she still feels enough for Victor that she doesn't want to just let loose Jesse on him. So, uh, more of that addressed next episode, kids, including why Tulip actually left uh, Victor in the first place. So, which is actually different from the books a bit. So, that yeah, was interesting. Uh, now, when when Tulip took out Nick, that was the guy in the kitchen that uh, he also came up behind her at the gun safe. You know the 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 fight there was it was really really impressive, and yeah. I was just like, you know, did what, what did you think of that that actual that actual moment? Because he he actually looked like one of the people that wasn't really afraid of her, right? Whereas the other guys, you know, they're all take a step back, hold on, this is Tulip, you know. But that fight was actually very impressive from both sides. Like both of them had some pretty good training, as good choreographed chore- yeah uh, down from, there when they have Ruth kicking ass in this, or Jesse for that matter it's, it's impressive, I think it's really well filmed, and uh, they're just brutal as they need to be and, and quick, I mean she took them out quick but it was no less brutal um, and then, you know, the one with Jesse and Pat was more kind of like the uh, the glorious hotel scene there in season one where it's just gory <laughs> over the top and you know, almost Raimi-esque and, uh, and it's craziness <laughs> or trauma or you know personally i hope python, pat, yeah yeah but personally i hope pat is not actually dead i think he is yeah. but it, he would be a good character to come back a lot yeah. Uh, him. yeah he's and yeah they 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 don't have a problem spending spending money on recognizable character actors in this thing it's great yeah. now what did you think of the whole let's shoot Herlick? So he can play God. I, it's, I actually didn't. Didn't I probably should have seen that coming? But I didn't really. And it's just like, well, yeah, of course. Like, but 
I didn't really think it was going to go that way, you know. I didn't either. I was like, holy shit, look at that. They just killed this guy to play God. Yeah, that was brilliant. Tape was just so and then Jesse goes, uh, well, what is Jesse's just like, well, how else is he going to get there? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Role of a lifetime and permanent residence in heaven. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you could do worse as an actor. Hell yeah. Or heck, yeah, heaven, yeah. Uh, but there really, there probably is alternate routes to heaven, though, because I mean, you can apparently take a tour bus to freaking hell if you meet it in the right place and have a travel agent. So, I think there's some kind of equivalent system to get to heaven from Earth without dying. By, but, by the way, that that tour bus happens to go through Sulphur, Oklahoma. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's you know, I think that is hell. That could be. Uh, <laughs> you name your nope. town sulfur. You, you gotta have something going on there. Well, every the room, the air conditioning doesn't work in any of the rooms. <laughs> okay, eventually it does. <laughs> I would think, or there wouldn't be anyone getting out of the rooms. <laughs> I, it, it was like an episode of Friends. We changed we changed rooms like six times. <laughs> Isn't that right? You're just killing Scott with friends. <laughs> I, I, no, yep. Yeah. Right over my head. I'm going to take your word for for that. He's going to binge watch it one weekend. Watch. Never. I, never. I won't live long enough to get to friends. I have too many other things to binge watch. Very you, you, you do realize that they're on a, a 38,000 binge watch of, of um, Mrs. Doubtfire down in one level of hell. Uh, <laughs> they've got the, they, They've got the movie on permanent loop down there. I don't know. I think I would take. That was a good movie. Amount, I liked it. I think I would take any amount of Robin Williams over any amount of Friends any day of the week. Well, you, you know, it's funny. Years ago, I went with a group of friends to see the latest Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, okay, so Arnold's going to go to hell. Before the movie started, we were treated to a five-minute trailer for the Andy Kaufman biopic Man on the Moon oh, with Jim yeah. Carrey. Yeah. Now, I was never a fan of Andy Kaufman back in the day. I understand his humor now, but back then I was not a fan of his and I was like, oh my God, this is just torture. And as soon as the trailer ends, it starts over again. <laughs> they played it twice. Well, and I said, oh my God, they're trying to let us know what hell is really like before we see the movie. <laughs> No, I just think that would be a very Andy Kaufman thing to do. I think they're maybe trying to to do that, but and not really a good call. But all of this only works if Andy Kaufman is actually still alive today. Well, of course he is. <laughs> him, and, he's, him and Jim Morrison are kicking it somewhere in Paris. Oh, no, no. Jim Morrison's definitely dead. <laughs> he would be by now, even if he survived the 70s. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Jim Morrison's definitely dead. Andy Kaufman, though, I think he's not too far from you. That's well, possible. Elvis isn't dead. <laughs> just oh. home. Yeah. <laughs> Elvis died in a nursing home seven years ago, unfortunately. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. That goes my theory. <laughs> he was fighting uh, undead things called Bubba Hotel. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but last I heard, um, uh, he's in Scranton. But I, I, I could be wrong. 
Okay, I'm, I'm sure if you divulge your sources to me, you'd then have to kill me, so please don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to learn anything that might result in my demise. That's, that's my motto. Unless <laughs> it makes me very rich for like a year first, then I'm okay with it. Uh, so I guess we're good for preacher today. Golly, that was. I'm yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next one. Yeah, most Me definitely. Too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like it, we've been, uh, you know, sitting there kind of wandering aimlessly since uh, fear went on hiatus, and uh, of course we watched our Game of Thrones, which is fun, mm-hmm. and we uh, binge watched Stranger Things. Oh yeah, you guys enjoy? Did you? Oh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, Beth, I think, was... Were you still recovering? You, you were recovering at some point when we were watching that, weren't we? Weren't yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got to episode three with you, and then yeah. all that happened. And But it and did have... It did I still have a, the rest of your episodes you watched. But it did have a positive effect, is that both Christopher and Beth want to play Dungeons and Dragons now. Yay. Awesome. And so, in fact, the fact of the matter was, was Christopher and I were out looking for figures for them to use as their characters when Beth had her accident. Oh, no. And uh, but but the, here's the, the the other thing that was really bizarre. We uh, we'd gone to we were looking for the monster manual for third edition rules, mm-hmm. and half price books said they had it. So we went to the one store they didn't have it there, and they told us it's over at this other store. So we drive all the way down there, and then I'm sitting there going, "Well, we need figures now." And so I look for a comic book shop that's close by, and there's a sci-fi factory that's along the way home, and we go on into there, and we meet this guy. And I'm sitting there, t- we're sitting there talking, I'm telling him what happened, you know, we want to get the figures and all that. And uh, I said, you know, I think I'm probably going to have to podcast about this. He goes, oh, you're a podcaster? What show? And I said, Third Degree Burn. Oh, I listened to that. Oh, awesome. Fear, Fear of the Walking Dead cast. I listened to that. No way. So, it, yeah, it actually. Yeah, so way. Yeah, wait. Hey, no Justin. Way. <laughs> hey, Justin <laughs> at Sci-Fi Factor, this is Brian giving you your shout out. So, uh yeah, that was that was really really cool, and you know he spent a good long time talking to us before Beth called me nine one one going to the hospital, you know, and so we took off and met Beth at the hospital. Well, at least half the day was fun. <laughs> yes. Sorry, there, Justin, to cut it short. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they they had a pretty busy store that day, so uh, and that was a beautiful store too. It was a two a two story. One side of it was all for gaming. One side had all the comic book and everything on it, and then they had an upstairs area too, where people could go up and game. And nice, uh, nice spiral staircase going up to it, and just a really really well done shop as as compared to the one that's close by us, which is basically looks like a, a middle school cafeteria. Um. That one, that one is is kept kept up much nicer. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I uh, definitely want to get Justin on one of the shows here soon because he's got an opinion about everything, and I mean everything. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So we'll 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 work that out some point. But so uh, we'll yeah, just ask pretty, him yeah. what he thinks about your bridge in depth. Uh. <laughs> 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 <A> bridge research. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> was a confounded bridge. Okay. Well, cool. All right, folks. Well, we'll be back sometime next week. We're trying to. I'm trying to get 
cut up a little Spidey Homecoming thing that me and Hero did too. That may either come out before this uh, or after this. Not sure. Uh, which yeah. we also have a peripheral DVD extras from the Hughes family here. Um, yeah, sorry about that, guys. I no. really bad brain hurt. <laughs> no, she she was on some heavy medication, so anything she said, she can't be held responsible for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, then that I hope that sounds like fun. Good, <laughs> drug up Beth more often. Um, <laughs> But she doesn't have to fall off stuff to get drugged up. We'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. Thanks for joining me, folks. You you get some rest there, lady. and, and I will. Take care of your, your brain pan. And, uh, will do. This is Weekly Heroics. Weekly Heroics at Yahoo.com. You can email us, and we'll be back next week, whenever next week gets here. Bye now. Bye. Adios. Adios. On the next episode of AMC's Preacher. This is what you do. People change. No, they don't. Jesse, you can't do this. Stop, you crazy son of a... I always wondered what sort of fresh hell did she crawl out of. It was you. Preacher. What happened, Jesse? What'd you do to him?